0: So hi Holly, thank you for taking part in the documentary today. Could you start off by explaining, introducing yourself, uh, what you're doing now and also your conditions?
1: And so I'm Holly, I'm currently a student nurse. Um, and when I was from a child, I have really struggled with pain in my feet. So when I was eight, I went to the doctors and they just ignored ignored it, they said there was nothing wrong. And I actually quote a doctor when they said, um, you've just got to learn to live with it like everybody else. So then I kept going back to them again and again. Uh, again, they didn't want to know. So in the end, I went up to A&E because it had been over 10 years since I'd first been to the doctors. And they looked at my feet and they said I needed to see a consultant. So I phoned my GP to get an appointment with a consultant and they refused to refer me. So in the end, we put in a complaint. I saw a consultant and it turned out I was born with a deformity in my feet. Um, and Because of that, my ligaments are torn as well. So it's quite a complicated one.
0: So... Why do you think the doctors, uh, it took you so long to get a diagnosis and why do you think they kept putting it off?
1: Um, I think, I honestly believe that they were that short on money and resources. It was a little bit like, well, she's otherwise fit and healthy. There's probably nothing wrong. Um, but it's it's caused flat feet. Um. And I, think, I have read that children are all born with it and then they grow out of it as they get a bit older. So they probably did just think that maybe it was taking me a little bit longer, um, but it was quite a rare one where it was just deformed.
0: And what were your family's reactions when you were first diagnosed? And what were your feelings as well when you first started feeling the pain in your feet?
1: I mean, it was so long ago, like I, cause I've never known what it's like to not be in that pain. To be honest, I just thought it was normal. And then it was as I was getting older that I realized it wasn't normal. Um, and like even now, find it really hard to get my head around the fact that people aren't in pain when they stand up and it was just so frustrating and it makes you quite angry when they were just ignoring you and you just you felt like saying yeah you're saying there's nothing wrong with me but I'm the one living it and I'm the one in pain and having to deal with it.
0: Yeah uh, no I completely understand and I'm really sorry you had to go through that because I know what you mean, like similar with other hidden disabilities that I know, like my brother, he has ADHD, so it took him a while to get a diagnosis, whereas they just think, oh, he's a difficult ch- child, he, whereas no, he's got a condition, that's what's causing it, that is how he experiences life, so he, it's different to how other people uh, see the world. So how does it affect your daily life?
1: Um, I... I found, because I have had an operation for it now, so it's not as bad now, but before um, there were days I couldn't get out of bed. It was just too painful to even stand up. Um, and just things like it's hard to function in the day because I'm so tired, because I, it keeps me awake thinking like about what happened and yeah I just can't go for like walks or if I organize going somewhere my first thought is right okay where do I park can I park near is it much walking it really does like affect the things you can do there's so many things I'm like oh I want to do that but I can't do it because of my feet and before you kind of even though you know that it's always going to be there you think oh well maybe one day I'll have it sorted so now I'm kind of getting to the point that I'm like well realistically I'll probably never be able to do like certain things because of it and even with the nursing um, there's like now I'm having to look into masters I can do that might mean I can move into jobs that are less um like on my feet less um and it's quite stressful though I'm just trying to get through this degree without thinking <laughs> of the
0: No, oh, I can understand that it's good though that you are thinking ahead but um do you think that growing up there was enough support and there's enough support for you at the moment and what specifically challenges did you face growing up?
1: Um my family have always been a huge support. They have been amazing because they feel like they've been through it with me because they've seen they've seen it. Um and they have seen when I haven't been able to stand up. Um but I think everywhere else, because every time you go to see a medical professional. It just always happens to be on a good day. I've even, when I was working, um, they used to let me use a chair. So I had shifts where I'd be like, I'm not using a chair and then I'm gonna go and see a doctor afterwards, or I'm gonna film myself walking afterwards. It just never never happens. So I feel like I didn't really get the support outside of family. Um, and i think it was hard because i didn't get the diagnosis until about a year ago um i couldn't i couldn't sort of say oh this is what's wrong i you know i didn't really have anything to sort of say about it so in school i used to find it really hard with little things like physically keeping up with friends um i really struggled with that and I always felt quite left out. Um, and now I realize it's because I I wasn't being left out. I was I was almost falling behind. Um, So yeah that was I think that was quite that was quite hard like mentally as well as physically.
0: So would you say like obviously it's brilliant that you're at university now and um, just to understand a bit more would you say your condition affected you with the academic side of school or was it more to do with just like as you said like keeping up with your friends and more the physical side of school if that makes sense
1: I think it was more like the physical side but then when I couldn't sleep because because of it it would obviously make me late for school and and things like that um or I sometimes all you can think about is the pain and you can't concentrate but mostly it was like the physical side of it because people just thought that you were unfit and you couldn't do anything and everyone thought you were lazy um but it wasn't it wasn't the case you know I was always the last one to be picked in teams and things like that and that was that was quite hard as well
0: thank you for that so that's the first part over I do have more questions later on with what you said but uh, I'll just pause the recording Hi Jack, thank you for taking the time to take part in the documentary. Please can you start by introducing yourself and explain about your condition?
2: Yeah, so I'm Jack Richard, um, and uh, I have psychosis, um, which I'm medicated for, um, and um, that was after a breakdown in May 2018. Um, I was I was sectioned for two weeks, the first two weeks, of of May, 2018. Um, Section's always a bit of a difficult word for me. I kind of like detained under the Mental Health Act, um, you know, but um, yeah, and then I've been on medication since, and I've been up and down for various different reasons. Lockdown and coronavirus was a big strain. Um, And I think it's kind of noticeable to friends and family when I'm having an off day or, you know, I'm you know, being weird to people that haven't met me before. And I think just to try and get a bit of awareness about what is psychosis and about mental health problems and trying to reduce the stigma of having to take medication. I think if I had to take medication for my liver or for, you know, stomach or your heart or your blood pressure, there would be no stigma with that. But because it's medication for your brain, we still have that stigma.
0: Thank you for that. Uh so, can you explain when you were first diagnosed and the process of how you were diagnosed?
2: Yeah, so I had um, in two thousand and eighteen. I wasn't very good in March and April, and I was just steadily getting worse and worse. And then I self-presented with my dad um, at A and E um, one night at, um, about six o'clock, um, and um, it was six o'clock in the evening we were told there was a 24 hour counseling service or like mental health crisis emergency service. Um, They didn't get back to me until about nine o'clock the next morning. Um, So at that point, my condition was just getting steadily worse and worse and worse. And so they kind of made the decision that I wasn't allowed home and to kind of detain me in a ward in the hospital, but they didn't explain, you know, this is why we're doing this. So it was just like, I was like, okay, I'd like to leave now. No, you can't leave what do you mean I can't leave? Like, what's my freedom to leave? No, you can't leave. We're putting you in a locked ward kind of thing. Um, And so that was quite distressful. And as much as people want to support the NHS and I want to support the NHS, and it's, you know, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Um, And I was seen by psychiatrists um, beforehand in April um, and um, they decided not to give me medication and to intervene. And I think like, why didn't you just, if I could have avoided the breakdown, if you'd have just given me medication at an earlier point, you know, antipsychotic medication. I openly said to a psychiatrist, you know, I'm hearing voices. Um, I said, unfortunately my mum's no longer with us. And at one point I said, you know, I think my mum's still alive and, you know, uh, and and all of these things and I wasn't given medication. Um, and, you know, we phoned crisis team, you know, Dozens of times, well, probably a dozen times the, the day before we went into hospital physically at six o'clock. And I think the NHS at the moment is very much a nine to five, Monday to Friday service. Um, and if I'd have gone, but by six o'clock, everyone had packed up and gone home. So, what were your
0: reactions during that point when you went to AE and your family and around generally uh, the diagnosis as well?
2: Yeah I mean it's been a difficult one to diagnose because although I had a terrible time for two weeks I made a very quick recovery so after that two weeks as soon as I was given the medication I stopped hearing the voices and I was fine so that was okay and so actually I was discharged in the summer I can't quite remember the month but say you know May by August I was discharged it was kind of like had a one-off breakdown you know and that was it and then I kind of wobbled off and on again. And to the point we decided it's just easier if I just stay on medication to prevent me having a wobble because the medication it takes, say it's in your system for six weeks. So if you take it and then you feel fine and then you think I'm feeling fine so I'll come off the medication and then you'll be fine for another six weeks while it's still in your system. But then after it's run out of the six weeks in your system then you experience a wobble. And I was constantly kind of over the last, since 2018 up and down, up and down, up and down. And I think we've hoped by staying on the medication I'll at least stay you know normal and stable and you know um like that um so it's been a difficult one to diagnose because of not knowing whether it was a breakdown or whether it's psychosis and what causes it um I have to be careful with with weed and that's something that can cause it if you've got psychosis or schizophrenia or mental health conditions they can really bring it to the forefront so you know I've, I've got to be careful with that and I think maybe to make awareness of that like everyone's saying you know let's legalize weed and that's a whole different debate and there are huge pluses to doing that but you've also got to bear in mind it does cause mental health problems to come to the surface and so you'd need the money to go into mental health services so it's that uh, people need to be aware of how bad it is okay I'm an artist and a student so it was I was doing it fairly frequently and I think you know that's something that I've cut out now you know most of the time and uh, is is much better but I think to also raise awareness people just to do a little bit of research about weed and mental health and just not to think that it's fine I know lots of people who've experienced paranoia with weed lots of people who have then experienced psychosis you know people who if they they've discovered they've had schizophrenia through use of it um so I think just to be careful there as well
0: thank you no that's really interested and completely agree like obviously the wider debate around legalizing weed like it does it is known to cause uh, mental health problems so i agree with you i think there needs to be more awareness for it. so how would you say that your condition affects your day-to-day life
2: it's a difficult one because if i don't if i'm not having a flare-up i'm my normal self if i am i'm really struggling if you imagine that I'm trying to have a conversation with you and there's, you know, my drink here is kind of like, or I'm hearing a voice, whether it's coming from an object or just hearing a voice, it's being like, they don't like you. They don't like you. They don't like you. Why are you here? You're stupid. And it's obviously very negative thoughts that I'm receiving. And so, and it kind of can then impact, I think me socially, because i withdraw from social occasions because I'm like, I don't, it's not worth the risk of me doing something wrong or I'm not feeling in the mood or, you know, and it, and it can be difficult if you've got commitments that you know you then don't want to back out of. I mean, I had to back out of my cousin's wedding um, because of this. You know, this. Okay, it was in 2018 when I was particularly bad, um, but I just I wasn't. I was worried. I was like, you know, oh my goodness. In the bit where they're like, does anybody here know any two reasons why these people should not normally get married? That there'd be a voice in my head being like, stand up and make a make a situation of yourself. You know, um, so. you know to miss your own cousin's wedding is quite a big thing um and i think that sometimes the situation people might know that there's something's wrong um, but it depends a lot on the people whether they're sympathetic or not or whether if you're letting somebody down are you just letting somebody down and i think what happens if i have work because although it's illegal to discriminate against someone if you miss if i miss work for you know a mental health day you know how sympathetic our work to that i think there's a long way to go and i think i don't know it would depend on the individual it depends whether i could get a note I, I would feel the need to get a note from a mental health professional saying like jack's had a bit of a dip at the moment and took the decision that it wasn't good for him to come in you know but it's just it's it's a difficulty and I think there's always that part that I hope socially people realize like, cause a lot of the time I'll try, but I'm like, guys, I'm really struggling to stay in the room. I'm really, stu- I'm getting distracted here. Like this thing is having, this object is having a conversation with me. You know, this object is, it, and it's usually a negative conversation. And it's like trying to have a conversation with you when someone else is like in your ear, having a conversation with you saying bad things, it, it's really difficult. Um, you know, and I, I people, I think people can tell like in my eyes, in my walk, in my body. And you're like, wow, I would do anything just to get rid of this at the moment.
0: I'm sorry to hear you missed your cousin's wedding. Um, so why do you think that you feel the need that if you were having a dip, then you'd need to get like a medical note from a mental health professional, similar to, say, if you've broken your leg and you can't attend work?
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you break your leg, it's obvious that you've broken your leg. Whereas people don't know, are you using mental health as an excuse? And so I'd be like, like I'm never, I'm never going to use that as an excuse. And if I think, if I got to the point where I was missing an occasion, missing a social occasion or missing work because of that, then I'd want people to know, like, guys, are, you know, I took the decision that it was best for me not to come in. But also, here's a note from my counsellor or a mental health nurse saying, like, You know, Jack experienced a bit of a dip at the moment. Um, um, So, yeah, do have we got to the point? I think because a broken leg is so obvious to see, and mental health, I would need someone to back me up that I wasn't just hungover from the night before and and using it as an excuse.
0: No, I completely understand what you mean. Uh, Yeah, like there's a lot of disabilities, a lot of conditions out there that aren't overly obvious, and that you feel like you either need to tell them or need someone else to support you if you're going through a bad patch that uh, just need that reinsurance because not everybody knows about disabilities and not everybody knows about hidden conditions and that no I completely agree with you why you'd want like that bit of paper to say oh yes I'm going through a bad patch oh, please be understanding and that oh that's why I wasn't there so let's talk about the challenges you faced growing up were there any challenges at school before you were diagnosed uh, was there enough support was there any support at all
2: well unfortunately like well fortunately like, this only came up in 2018 oh. and actually so now i can't say i mean i had tinnitus with my ears so i always yeah. was hearing sounds but i was never hearing you know voices kind of thing um i mean that that was that was different so it was only flared up I would like to say in 2018 whether I think it's something that is always there under the surface and it takes having a breakdown or using excessive weed for it to come up and I think you know whether there was always that potential there I mean maybe a bit paranoid you know if I was at school is that person laughing because they're laughing at me you know that's something that I've had on a slight separate note you know having counselling for of like just raising you know self-esteem and raising confidence and I think you know and because I've lost my mum you know that was someone who I was extremely close to and I think that that was something that happened that was when I was 14 that caused a lot of pressure on me but I dealt with it well you know at the time I was doing my GCSEs didn't drop any of my GCSEs got basically straight A's and and cope with my mum's death so you know I'm very proud of how I dealt with that at the time. But maybe it was just then afterwards, you know, as, as, you know, six years went on to 2018, then I kind of lost the memory of her a little bit. And that caused a lot of pressure. And then we've lost photos and diaries. And that caused a lot of pressure, you know, because it was like, I don't want to forget her.
0: No, I understand. I'm sorry to hear that you lost your mum at such a young age. A, it is kind of important that. It didn't affect your school life and didn't really affect you growing up. So that's all for this section of the interview. I'm just going to pause the recording now. Sit down. Hello again Holly. So I believe you both met before, please can talk about how to you met and how you know each other.
2: Yeah I mean Sorry can we scrap that one because I, I don't really want to admit that we met on Bumble like not on such a big Hello again
0: Holly so I believe you both know each other please can you explain how you both yeah, how you both know each other
2: yeah so we're um, in a relationship um, and yeah that's that
0: So how did you find out about each other's conditions first of all? Uh,
2: So I think I found out with Holly's on an early date where I tried to play badminton. I've got like in my garden, like a little toy badminton set. And it was when we were trying to stay outside um, during 2020 Um, and just generally. So I was like, okay, what can we do for an outside date? Like picnic. I've got this little toy badminton set. Let's try and play a game. And then... I wasn't aware and then um, obviously Holly was in, was in pain with her feet and you know told me about that.
0: And Holly, how did you first become aware of Jack's condition?
1: Um, I think it was quite gradual, it's, it's something that you can't really kind of just blurt out because there is so much sort of stigma around it, I mean I don't, you know, I don't really, I think the stigma is like ridiculous. But I know for me, like even with my feet, I found it hard to really explain it to Jack at first, because you kind of think, "Oh, am I gonna put him off?" Um, so I know it is really hard to talk about. So it was more gradual. But it was maybe after like a few months, really. Yeah. Alright.
0: Yeah, no problem. So. Why do you think there is a stigma about being open to each other about conditions or specifically around neurological conditions, Holly?
1: I think it's actually a lot of just there's no education on it, people don't understand. And I know for me, I think a lot of people think I'm over dramatising it and making it up like we've got a blue badge and it was only like the third time we used the blue badge and we got filthy looks from people and i think that's just where people just aren't aware of it and um i yeah i just don't think people understand enough
0: and same question to you jack
2: um yeah why well, was i kind of slow to to talk about it i think maybe part of me hoped that okay there wouldn't be anything like i would just be on this medication and i would never have a you know a wobble again and so there wouldn't be the need to i think the extra stress caused by coronavirus and lockdown and you know if my dad had caught coronavirus i really don't think he would have he would have survived it quite frankly um and so you know that was causing a lot of stress for me at the initial it was very quick the world kind of imploded on itself you know in march the end of march very quickly i mean you know one minute we were all out having fun at the beginning of march and it was just this thing in italy and china and then it was affecting us um so i think and then generally stigma i mean to be detained under the mental health act is quite a big thing you know and i i'd lost touch with reality really i was you know hearing these things and having grand delusions about you know uh, different things and thinking my mum was still alive and you know it's quite embarrassing in a way and i think that there is still that there is although it's vastly getting better about mental health that is getting better that it's not quite there yet um and it can just be like you know if people live having anxiety if you're having anxiety on a date or a, in a club or with friends or whatever you know do people understand that that is just a, that is a genuine thing or are they a little bit like come on sort yourself out
0: I can understand that and why you had reservations about opening up to Holly especially you were so new in a relationship so there's that anxiety anywhere isn't there about first date nerves and things like that so Do you have to make any adjustments to each other's behaviour to support the other with their conditions or did it just come naturally?
2: I think with me and and Holly, like because you've had the operation and you're a lot better after the operation. But for the beginning, it was like, you know, say if we wanted to walk from a station to somewhere, you know, maybe just taking, you know, a taxi or a bus where somewhere I would walk. You know, so and little adjustments like that. I mean, you know, there was the time during lockdown, say so walking from my flat into town, you know, when we were, weren't allowed to do a lot and weren't allowed to do things, then I'd be like, well, I'll go for a walk because I find a walk quite stressful leaving. Um, you know, having a walk and listen to some music is a way that I get rid of stress, but we can't really do that together, you know, before the offers as, as, as a long, as go for a long walk. So I don't think it was anything major, it was just being aware that maybe we'll take a bus sometimes, you know, when I wouldn't have done that. I don't know what you think <laughs> of mine.
1: Yeah, to be honest, I didn't, I don't really feel like I've had to just too much. Yeah?
2: Yeah. See, it's weird for me though, I'm like, okay, that's a good thing. But then I'm also like I shouldn't feel like it should be you know it's kind of that yeah the lockdown was stressful or you know doing your degree is stressful or those kind of things I'm like okay I hope it stayed within the realms of just okay this person is quite stressed at the moment and they're a bit jittery and a bit you know jumping maybe from one thing to another but it's not been too bad
1: no I mean I never you know, I never sort of thought anything different when you when you said, because I don't know how to explain it, but like, you never, you know, you never would have guessed kind of thing. Yeah. But, but then I guess that's the whole hidden part. Of the, yeah.
2: No,
0: that, that's really nice to hear from you, both of you, but Holly as well, the fact that you haven't had to consciously change any of your behaviours and that eve just like naturally gone along as you would with anyone you would treat Jack differently to any other person and the same with you Jack to Holly like that you are willing to make those little changes that I'm guessing means a lot to you Holly that sort of little things that instead of going for walks or if you need to get someone taking like a taxi or a bus or something like that uh, just becoming accommodating to each other so Now we're going to talk about the present. So I know you've talked about your employment and like your personal life. So what challenges do you both currently face with your conditions? And also with the coronavirus and lockdown, did that both, did that have a massive effect on both of your conditions? I know you talked a little bit about it.
2: Um, Shall I go first? (laughs) I think like lockdown for me was okay in 2020, but I struggled in the lockdown from January to March because I was like oh good I feel like the past like what nine months of lockdown has been for nothing um, and I, I found myself like messaging people who I didn't really wasn't that close with being like let's have a massive party when this is over and do you know what I mean like just kind of like okay we'll, we'll get through this we'll get through this we'll get through this and it until the vaccine rollout really came it always seemed like there was like just this one more week just one more week just one more week and it was like how many times I have to do one more week kind of thing um so I think that it did the lockdown added stress I don't feel that I got you know a full I was still charged full fees for university and not I don't didn't have that full experience that was just an annoyance of like you know come on um but that was everybody so it added, extra, it added extra stress, but with the help of you know counselling, with the help of medication and, and just kind of trying to plod on and do my work, I've managed to get through it.
0: And to you, Holly?
1: Um, I think the hardest thing for me was it was already so difficult to get doctors to believe me. And once they actually believed me, Covid sort of hit and then obviously getting a doctor's appointment was difficult and because I know that the only people that believed me in the past were my family I always liked to have them with me in appointments because I felt like that's another person on my team kind of thing Um, and I wasn't allowed that so it was really hard and you know I was being told that I was gonna have to have foot surgery and um, one of them was that I might have to have my heel broken so they're quite um, it's quite a, a hard thing to kind of hear and especially when they, they were saying that you know this might not actually help you, you do want someone in the room and everyone, everyone wants to know how you got on. And sometimes it goes in, but as soon as you leave that room, you've forgotten everything that was said. So it, yeah, it's just hard to kind of have to do it on your own, like you do feel very lonely. So
0: I've got a question each for both of you. We'll start with you, Jack, first. Do you think that your counselling helped a lot with your condition?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think because for me unfortunately like it only it flares up more when I'm in, when I'm in a negative place like you know regarding myself or regarding like the world or whatever was happening kind of thing. You know I'm interested to know would I have got through if there hadn't have been coronavirus would I have not had another wobble kind of thing because I was I was so worried about my dad I was like you know if he goes to the shops and catches this he's had pneumonia twice he's got you know terrible lungs Terrible, you know bad he's got scarred permanently scarred lungs and he's old you know not that I appreciate me saying that but he is you know and so I, I was quite quite worried about his health um so that was causing a strain on me and it was just felt like one of those things like if he catches it he catches it how You know, it's quite different. You still need to go shopping. You know, you still need to, as much as we really tried to have minimal contact, um, which we got through and then you had the vaccine and, you know, that was fine. Um, So I I do think counselling helped. You know, we put more attention into our cars than we do our mental health. You know, we have we should everyone should have like an M.O.T. on their mental health. I I think it helped with my mum, you know, going through grief counselling with my mum because it's something that I don't want to lose those memories of her. So, you know, that's that's really important.
0: No, thank you. No, I agree. Like, from personal experience, I've had counselling in the past and I, I really can't like, shout about them enough. Like, they are just, like, unsung heroes. And, Holly, my question to you is... Um, I've, so I've just gone blank. Sorry about it. I'm just going to pause the recording. I've, look at my notes so Holly my question to you is obviously we met whilst we're working in the same shop do you think there's enough support from employers to people with hidden conditions do you think that in some places of work that you've received good support or do you think more needs to be done
1: um I definitely think more needs to be done where we worked, they were really good. And they did let me sit down for the shit. But then when we first started, I had to go and look for that because they said that it looks unprofessional to sit down. So we weren't allowed chairs. So I think it singles you out when you're the only one. People are like, oh, why are they sat down? You know, you, you can feel people like looking at you a bit differently um and then um my last place when I had people getting at me because I was sitting down to do paperwork and things like that um but again I think it is a lot of people just don't understand and because they can't see that it's there they just they don't know and they don't I don't think anybody kind of goes and like, okay, I'm going to ignore everyone's conditions today. I think because they can't see it, they just don't know. Um, they Even when they do know, I think sometimes they don't know how to kind of deal with it. And everyone's different. So everyone has like different needs, even if they've got the same condition. Um but I do think that there needs to be more awareness that some people might have a condition that limits them.
0: No, I completely agree with you. Though um, so obviously, throughout my life, I'm just from personal experience with my autism that I've always been determined not to have anything that says, "Oh, I, I've got autism," but. For some reason when I started working in TV and everyone I've worked with like, having been really lovely like, I've talked about my like, disabilities, things like that I just felt like that I needed something to say that oh yes I have autism and I don't know why it suddenly hit me like with TV um, so like, I've got one of those hidden disabilities lanyards now that says I have autism and like, everybody's been like so supportive so I do know what you mean I think there just needs to be more education and awareness, like both the two together, like just generally on hidden disabilities and conditions in, in general. So what would you both say are your proudest, moment, proudest moments and biggest achievements? And also, no, actually I'll save that question till last. Yeah, what would you say about your biggest achievements and proudest moments?
2: I don't know because our mind have got nothing to do with mental health. So, like, I've I've got hugely proud achievements since before I was, you know, um, had the the breakdown in 2018. I mean, I suppose sometimes, like, when you're having the wobble, like uh, I know I refer to it as a mental health wobble or a dip or whatever you want to say, okay. bear up, you know, that sometimes just like carrying on and just doing a lesson and people not noticing that there's something wrong when you're like, inside your head, you're like, I feel like screaming right now, you know, but just kind of being able to do a lesson and do it to like a normal, you know, a normal way. Um, so yeah, that's regarding the, that, that's probably, you know, one of my proudest achievements regarding the mental health.
1: I mean, I think, I think mine it, it's something that is nothing to other people, but it was quite a big thing for me. Was before I had the op, um, we used to walk to a coffee shop and back. And I looked on Google Maps, and it worked out it was about about one kilometer. And after that, I couldn't really do anything for the rest of the day. But since the op, um, my I was on. I was getting a bus to a train station, and it was it just wasn't moving because of the traffic so I just decided to get out and walk and then I looked back at how far it was and it was about a mile and that just felt like I just felt on top of the world like it was amazing that I'd gone from not being able to walk a thousand meters to walking a mile which I don't know what that is in kilometers but I think it's better
0: (laughs) (laughs) no I think that's a brilliant achievement like I think the biggest achievements can be are the things you do that seem like completely mundane to somebody else, but to you, like they're big personal achievements. So no, I think that is that's really good. That it's good to see that your operation like is obviously working. That you can like push yourself to do uh, things like that. So no, that that's brilliant. I think you should be proud of yourself. So, what are both of your wishes for the future? what would you like to achieve and also do you think anything needs to change to help support you both and also other people with hidden conditions
2: um should I go first it doesn't have
0: to be to do with like it can be just personal things you want for the future it doesn't have to be related to yeah, teaching,
2: but you... I really enjoy my teaching job um you know stage coach that's really good so I'm, I want to just carry that on um you know aspirations and and I think just be happy I think a combination of the of coronavirus which made us all reassess that the grind and the hustle and working to you you know you're flat you know till you're gone is not actually what people want anymore people want to be happy and I think with the with my mental health as well like sometimes I'm not happy and it's like an outside force that is making me not happy. And I'm be like, look, I've got these, this is positive, this is positive, this is positive, this is positive, but it's like, yeah, but the chemicals in my brain doesn't want to release the happy chemicals. So it's really difficult to be happy, you know? And I think, so just just to be happy. And if that, you know, comes in the form of theatre or teaching or whatever it is, you know, that's, that's my priority. Um, as in terms of like, yeah, I think there's huge amounts of work that can be done with mental health, I think mental health first aiding is a thing now and I think that could be really publicized a lot more I think there's stigma my medication doesn't I don't I'm not sure how it reacts with alcohol I mean alcohol is all something that reacts with your brain I'm not a big drinker anyway but you know I've had times when I was on a flare-up and on medication I thought I don't want to drink because you know one I think alcohol is a depressant and the you know it might interfere with the the app with the medication and you know someone so I had a half pint and kind of being mocked on my you know university course because I was having a half pint and thinking like you know actually the reason I'm having a half pint is because I was sectioned you know a few years ago and I'm on medication and I don't want to you know um, I don't want another flare-up so uh, that kind of like maybe alcohol and mental health could be improved that kind of slight masculinity of like You've got to go down to the pub and got, get absolutely trashed. I'm like, but if it doesn't react well with medication, then I'm not going to do that.
0: No, I completely understand that. And I, I agree. Like, even if it's something similar to what they do with cigarettes and put, like messages on alcohol, like around mental health, like just I think something needs to change. And same question to you, Holly.
1: Um, right now I just really want to qualify as an S. And I think I could. I could use my past experiences to like my advantage because I can make sure that it doesn't happen to somebody else because the, the consultant that I actually saw even it's mad to me thinking that to him that was just you know he does surgery for every day that was just another patient when to me like it might not have been physically life-saving but like mentally I think that was a life-saving surgery so I'd like to be part of that for other people.
0: No I think they're both brilliant ambitions for their futures for the future and no I think I'm sure you'll pass university you're a smart person (laughs) Polly. so I'm just going to pause the recording and then just got the last section to do. So, Jack, what do you think about how Holly deals with her condition and what are you most proud of her and the way she lives with her condition?
2: I think she's very brave. I think she has a high tolerance for pain. Um, you know, she's in pain and she needs to take, you know, medication for that. I, um, she has to put up with a lot of shit. Um, know we used about the second or third time she ever used her blue badge and you know someone giving us really really dirty like what what are you doing like you know disgusting comments and looks and me having to get out the blue badge and going up to them and being like this is what we've got you know so of then being like oh sorry i didn't realize well it's like well you know i I appreciate maybe if they were a blue badge holder themselves which i don't think they were but you know you want to make sure And but that's the whole point it's a hidden disability She got out of the car. So now she, you know, Holly has a blue badge and like shows it to everyone who's around and puts on the Sunflower Lanyard really obviously. And, you know, I think that's such a shame. I don't think the Royal Exchange Theatre come out of this with much credit. You know, I presume she told you about a time we were at the Royal Exchange Theatre um, and asked to use the lift and we were refused access to use the lift. Oh, no, yeah. she didn't tell me about that one, actually. No, she didn't. No. Uh, so, Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, we were at the Royal Exchange Theatre and there was, you know, some steps to get in and she, we'd walked a lot around trying to find the entrance. We were bez- you know, buzzing the, for the lift and no, the lift wasn't working, wasn't coming. Uh, and so we used the steps and then on the way out, she was like, you know, there was the lift and it was working and we wanted to use it and said, okay, can we use the lift down? And the, the usher said, you know, it's just for disabled people. Um, you'll have to take the stairs. it was like well nobody else wanted to use the lift at that time why not just let us do that um i think um you know that was disgraceful there really it's like well it's a hidden disability but because she's you know young and you know then people don't see it so you know i think i think she does very well
0: no thank you just pause the recording so holly what do you think About Jack's condition, the way he deals with it, and what are you most proud of, Jack?
1: Um, I think he does deal with it really well. Um, You know, he has been through a really difficult time in the past. And I know everybody has days where they do struggle mentally. And I was saying to him, last night, it must have been really scary for him. I remember when I had the operation, I was on, I was on morph, and I could feel the, or see things on what I was wearing, they were moving, even though I knew that they weren't. So, because I knew that it was a medication making me feel like that, that reassured me. But if there was something like that situation, but, you know, you don't, don't know why it's happening, if, if it's really happening or not, that must actually be really scary. So I think he deals with it really well. And to be honest, I think, I think he does, he's posted on Instagram about how men should really talk about mental health. And I think that that was such a good thing to do, like, because it's so hard to say that even, even for me, I find it hard to sort of say how I feel, but it's less stigmatised for girls. So for him to sort of go out and say something like that, I think, I think yeah, I was quite proud of that.
0: No, I agree. I think that's brilliant. I didn't know about the Instagram uh, posts, but no, honestly, I think both of you are just brilliant the way you deal with each other's conditions. I think you've both been a lot through a lot personally, so it's nice that you've both got each other to rely on and that you both have an idea of what the other's going through. So, no, it's really nice. And I just want to say uh, thank you both for taking part in the documentary.
1: Thank you.